so much that you were upon me. Thank you so much that you're not there anymore. That cross still means a lot to us. What you accomplished on that cross for us, we are so thankful. Thank you for what you accomplished in your resurrection. We needed that. Thank you that we can come close to you. We look for that day, but we will have that rest beyond the river. Eternity with you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, Kiddos, we love you. Have a great time in kids' worship today, Children's Church. Grateful for all who help out, support, and teach. Thank you, Todd and team. Well done. Very much. Give them a hand. Let's thank them. <laughs> all right. Okay, well, let me just kind of look over things here. To, we got everybody, everybody's here, so I got to take a good look and to see kind of who all's here. Yeah, you can wave at me if you want. It's all right, too. Okay, there we go. All right, yeah. Uh, you see, this is the first time I've been in church in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I, I missed last week because I wasn't quite all here, and I missed the week before because I had something called COVID, and uh, we uh, survived that. I'm both, uh, thank you for the vacation, first of all. I really, really appreciate that, but uh, both Alicia and I had a fairly serious case of COVID on vacation. Um, I got it probably the Wednesday right before we were leaving, going to Denver um, on Thursday. Um, went to the U.S. Open or the U.S. Amateur Tournament at Cherry Hills Country Club where I caddied for about eight years and um, I didn't give it to that person. I feel real good about that. <clears throat> and then uh, we were with my mom Thursday night, my mom Friday, and my mom called me on Saturday as we got to Lake City and she had a bad cough. She said, I think you need to test for COVID. We just happened to have a kit with us, and we tested on Saturday, Sunday morning, and guess what? It went positive. <laughs> so uh, I was very generous, and I gave it to my mom, and I gave it to Alicia, nice guy that I am. And uh, the good part about it is we had COVID together, and we didn't have to avoid one another. We could just say, you know, we got a COVID, you know, here we go. Um, it didn't slow us down too much because when we go to Lake City, 60 miles south of Gunnison, um, we're pretty low and slow while we're there. And so uh, we got to do main, mainly everything we wanted to do, um, except <clears throat> when we went to get ice cream, Alicia lost her taste and smell. Yeah, and uh, so her, whatever ice cream she gets, she couldn't taste it. And that was a real disappointment. But I sure enjoyed my super chocolate chunk, I'll tell you that much. But that was kind of disappointing. So um, we watched, um, we got some walks in. Um, we walked pretty much everywhere there, small little town. Um, we also saw five episodes of The Chosen and really, really enjoyed that a lot. It was very good. And we also, hint, 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 worked on our will. Uh-huh. You remember maybe last December? Uh, we had a little session on putting together wills, um, and I don't think probably very many of you have done that yet. Can I encourage you, please, work on it, update it, make sure it's in good shape, because I can guarantee if you pass, somebody's going to need that. And if you've done the work for them, they're going to be really happy with you. <laughs> so, please, 
take care of that. We, we did update it. Now we have to make those changes, but uh, we will work on that. So uh, anyway, it was a good vacation, although different than normal. But thank you so much for it. And um, I've always said I've never been on a vacation I didn't like. I've just had one. <laughs> uh, but it's all right. It's all right. God knew, and he took care of us. My mom has recovered very well. She's 94, a little bit, obviously, big concern when your 94-year-old mom gets COVID. But uh, she recovered really probably better than the rest of us. So I'm grateful for that. <coughs> I still have a little bit of stuff, and I choked on my water earlier. So uh, I'm having a little hard time here. Thank you to Bill Carson, Johnny Dasher for preaching and for me the last two Sundays in this series on Do You Know Me? We've talked about Epaphras. We've talked about Jethro. We've talked about Naaman's wife's maid, Jabez, Shifra, Pua, Baruch, Josiah, Mephibosheth, Priscilla and Aquila, Jairus, and the second book of Acts. We've gone through a lot. I've had a number of good comments about it. appreciate all the people that have just commented about liking the series and bringing out some people that we don't normally talk about, some of our Bible friends. But I do know this. Um, both Johnny and Bill encourage you to take the next step with Jesus. If you remember that, they did. And I, matter of fact, I have even what Johnny put out. I have the Stephanie Scott put together a little sheet here. 67 of you filled out cards and said something related to the next step. Man, I really appreciate that. That is really, really, really good. So I want to encourage you. You still could be a part of that. You can still take that card. What is your next step? What is God moving in your heart for you to take the next step with him? Share that with us, okay? If you share it with us, you have a card right before you. Put your name on it. Put that next step. And then we will put your, if you put your size for a T-shirt, we'll get you a T-shirt, okay, that will talk about you're going to take the next step. But it was exciting reading through these. I really, really enjoyed that this week to see. And I went back over it this morning just to look at them again. May I encourage you to do that. It's a little bit of a vow. Yes, this is the next step. Some of you said, I don't know what the next step is. You know, that's good. God can show you the next step. But your willingness to be in that position is really, really good. And he's excited about that for you. So if you didn't fill that out, take the time to do that. We'd love to put your name to this list. And be excited for you and encourage you to take that next step that God is leading you toward. All right? <clears throat> they also highlighted our 2013 theme, which is what? Everybody in, all in. All right? They did a great job of emphasizing that. And that's what we want. Some of you put that down here. Some things that I'm going to do now to be involved in the ministry at Majestic. Some things I'm going to do to be involved in the ministry outside of Majestic. Because you're working on everybody in, all in. And so I'm really excited about that, too, being a part of that. Both of them talked about great faith. Jairus, as he had this great faith because he knew where to go when his daughter was dying. And he went to Jesus with great faith, it says, to see what Jesus could do for him. As Johnny talked about the man with ten legs. You know who that is, don't you? The man that they lowered through the roof, right? The man with ten legs, okay? Four friends plus his legs. You see, two, four, six, eight, ten. Okay, right? The man with ten legs, they, they had great faith. And that man had great faith. That's one of the episodes we saw The Chosen when we were in Lake City. To watch them lower this man through the roof. And to be able to see God heal him and say, your sins are forgiven too. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up, you take up your mat and walk. 
Well, both of them are just as easy for Jesus. He can do that. But the incredible great faith that those men had to take him and to get him to Jesus, incredible faith that Jairus had to come and to say, I'm going to do this. And God said, your, your daughter's healed. You can go back home. I'm so thankful for that. Is Jesus going to heal every time? Well, we know, no. But if you come with great faith, you open the door to possibilities. And that's what he asks of us to be able to do. So I'm grateful for that. So today I can talk about another Bible friend. <clears throat> She's only mentioned a couple times in Scripture, really two times, or by name. Her name is Joanna. And you're going, Joanna, 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 Joanna. Well, here's the first time that we read about her. This is Joanna in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. And the twelve disciples were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, or Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Now, I looked up again today just to see if there's any other Joannas in Scripture. This is the only one that's mentioned in Scripture. She can be mentioned twice by name, three times by reference. But here's Joanna. And let's talk about her a little bit. You might even have your Bible open there. It's up on the screen. That helps you out a little bit. But Luke chapter 8, and what we want to learn just a little bit about this lady and what we can take from her life and her great faith and her walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. She's part of Herod's kingdom because her husband worked for Herod. He's a manager. He's a household manager. He's a steward. He's somebody in charge of some of the things that are important in his household. Herod was the ruler, the Jewish ruler, under a Roman emperor over the area of Galilee. Galilee up by the Sea of Galilee. You got the Dead Sea down here. You got the Sea of Galilee up here. He's over this area up here. All right? And he's a Jewish man under a Roman emperor, under authority. So we know a little bit about him from Luke chapter 12, where Jesus calls him a fox. And when he uses that term, it's not a nice term. It's a derogatory term in the sense of a fox was, in their culture, was something that was unclean. But it also, as one author said, he said that it meant this, that when Jesus used that term, that Herod lacked real power and dignity and used cunning and deceit to achieve his aims. He probably wasn't the most honest person. And he knew how to manipulate things to get things done in the midst of what he had to do for the Roman government. Now, we also know, as we think about Herod, we know he wasn't too fond of those who challenged him. We know that because when John the Baptist challenged Herod about marrying his brother's ex-wife, he didn't take kindly to that. And we know what he did. He put him in prison. He put John the Baptist in prison. We also know that at a time, Herod's wife, new wife, came and in a big banquet that they were putting together with all of Herod's big, big boys, the colleagues, all these guys, he had the daughter of his, this new wife dance in front of all of them, and he said, I'll do, I'll reward you with whatever you want. And the wife stepped in and said, behead John the Baptist. 
And he couldn't go against his word in front of all of his friends. And he had John the Baptist's head removed. John killed wasn't a nice guy. Wasn't a nice guy. So here she is. She's the wife of his household manager, Chusa. However you'd say that word, I'm going with Chusa. I'll Chusa whatever I want to, how to pronounce his name. Huh? <laughs> He's, you can imagine there might be just a little bit of tension between what we know now about Joanna. She's following Jesus. She's traveling with Jesus. And the disciples and the others are going with her. These other ladies, Mary Magdalene, and also Susanna, and it says, it says, and many others in that passage, and that, that many others, as one Greek scholar says, it's in the feminine, so it means not just men, it means many other women. There's three named here, but many other women are traveling with Jesus in his kind of, in, in a good way, in his entourage, in his ministry that's taking place as he travels and he is with people. And he follows them. He loves on people and he cares for them. I see in this, I see in this about Joanna and these other ladies, of course. They are courageous, courageous ladies. They are courageous, courageous ladies. It could have caused that, as I said, it could have caused tension between Herod and her husband and herself. Could have been a tension there. She's an unlikely convert, one author said, because she's a Jewish woman. And to come to know and to follow Jesus, the Messiah, makes her an unlikely convert. He also, we don't know if, if Jesus healed her too, because it says in verse 3, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. We don't know if he's just speaking about Mary Magdalene or he's speaking about each of those ladies but it's quite possible she had been healed of evil spirits or whatever illness that she had. And God, Jesus had healed her and done something very, very great for her. Now you think about it. These women, Susanna, Mary, Joanna, and the many others, you think about them in their day and age traveling with Jesus and these other disciples, these men. That would have raised a few eyebrows of concern in their day, right? But that wouldn't be common. Even today, it would cause a few eyebrows to be raised. I'm sure they are very careful regarding boundaries and propriety, but also taking this consideration. In that day and age, women didn't have a lot of value. They weren't at the top of the list of important people. And so they, I think they were brave to be out and about with Jesus and the team. Now, we don't know anything about Chusa. He's only mentioned right here. But we know this, he would have to pledge his allegiance to Herod, right? And he works underneath him. He's going to have to say, you're the man. As a manager or steward over his household, he had a prestigious position. So we can surmise that he was well off financially, that he was well taken care of. And therefore, as I put all that together, I think that Joanna through Chusa would have had status and financial ability. Stability, the latter making it possible for she, as it says at the end of verse 3, and many others who provided for them, for the disciples, Jesus and the disciple, out of their means. She had the ability to be able to do that based on who her husband is. I see this. She's courageous, but she's also generous. They're providing for Jesus. As they traveled, whatever they needed, they were able to provide for them. 
Maybe all those 12 guys couldn't cook anyway, and the ladies took care of them. I don't know. Ladies, you seem to be probably a little bit better than that than we are. But out of the means, she's able to provide for Jesus as these other ladies. So, she's courageous, and she's generous. Now, one author kind of puts all this together, and he says this. He says, in Judaism, women were exempt from learning the Torah, the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That was their word of God. They were exempt from learning that. They might learn a great deal informally, as they did in a synagogue teaching. Jairus was one of the administrators of the synagogue, as Bill was talking about, Pastor Bill, a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. But a woman would not on her own enter into an association with a rabbi to become his disciple. Think about that. The courage for her to do that. Mary and Susanna. They didn't do that. They didn't enter into a relationship with the rabbi. But they do here. We see them traveling with him, placing themselves under Jesus. Further, women were not to be in a close association with men. And it would have been unheard of for women to travel with the rabbi. In addition, the idea of a woman assuming fiscal responsibility, having discretionary power over her own funds, is an ideal that in biblical literature is found only in Proverbs 31, when it talks about the excellent wife. It is not known how many of these women were married. One of them was, presumably, Joanna. Mary Magdalene was not. This is not to suppose that married people necessarily broke with their families in order to accompany Jesus on this itinerant ministry. This traveling group of women thus testifies to the advance in Jesus' ministry over Jewish limitations of women. This inclusion of this in Luke also testifies to his appreciation of Jesus' position in survival. You can look at this passage and what we read about passage, you can see Jesus thinks women are valuable. Women, a few weeks ago we talked about that. You are valuable. You have great in the eyes of the Lord and in the eyes of us. We appreciate you so much. We're so thankful for you and how you minister to us and how you love us and how you care for us. We need you and you are valuable. And Jesus shows it right here as he allows them to come alongside and to be a part of his entourage, a part of his disciples. Please, ladies, take that deep into your heart. You are valuable. The scene of traveling men and women, however, is a reminder of Jesus' words about the cost and reward of discipleship. Matthew chapter 19. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Men and women, friends, these steps you take in the next step to draw close to Jesus, to minister in his name, has for great reward. And it's a part of the cost of discipleship. It's what God asks of us. Not, a, not all of us are going to leave father, mother, houses, lands to serve him. They did for a time. And there was a great reward to that. But any step that we take, as we seek to take that next step, 
That's what we've called discipleship. Discipleship is simply taking the next step of what God wants you to do in your walk with Him. Has reward to it. Don't ever forget that. That's why we've encouraged you. That's why Johnny encouraged you last week. What is that next step? What is God saying to you that, that you need to move this direction? And it'll be good for you, and there'll be great reward for you. That's why we're encouraging you again today. Take that next step. Take that card. What's God speaking to you about? What do you need to do? Is there somebody you need to minister to? Is there a place that you need to serve? Is there something you need to do in your giving? Is there something you need to do as far as obeying Him and taking His Word, maybe to get into the Word, to read the Word, to take some more time to pray, to add these things to you? Not not to make them a burden, because you know it'll benefit you, and there will be reward for it. Don't miss this opportunity. As God's speaking to you, take advantage of it. Because there's great reward if you'll pursue that and move forward in that. So you got that connection card if you weren't here? Take the time to fill it out. Let us know. What's God saying to you? What's the movement He wants you to move and to move direct to Him so that you can grow as a disciple with Jesus Christ? It says of Jesus in Luke 2.52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. There was a movement, even in himself, in his relationship with the Father. There was a movement to stay close to him and follow him and to be a part of his work. And he depended on the Father. He went to the Father. May I encourage you, Johnny, encourage you last week. Take the time. Take that card out. Let us know what God's saying to you. Put your name on it. Tell us what that next step is. Put your T-shirt size on there so you can get something to put in your drawer and wear every once in a while. Take the time. It will benefit you. And there's great reward in it. Well, that's Luke chapter 8. Now we have to go to Luke chapter 23 to read more about Joanna. So if you've got your Bible there, it'll be up on the screen too. Try to make it a little bit easy, easier. In Luke chapter 23, and I'm not going to start with verse 55, but that's where it's mentioned. she's mentioned indirectly. But I'm going to start in verse 50 so we get a little bit of context. Luke chapter 23, verse 50. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. Why we call him Joseph of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, religious Jewish council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. Put Jesus on the cross. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down And he wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointment. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Now, the, the women is explained in verse 10. The next day, we see Mary Magdalene in chapter 24. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. So, we believe that she was there with these other ladies. As Joseph comes and he gets the body, we know that Nicodemus, as you read John, we'll look at John 19, Nicodemus came and he came with 75 pounds of alloys and ointments to anoint the body. They place it in this new tomb where nobody had ever been laid. And the ladies are there. They're seeing this. 
They're a part of what's taking place as they follow, continue to follow Jesus, even though he is dead. Now, this is what I see in this simple passage. I see that this is a lady who wasn't just courageous. She wasn't just generous. She was a lady who was faithful. She's still following Jesus. We don't know when these ladies joined Jesus' discipleship team. We know that as we understand Jesus' life, when he's aged about 30, he started his public ministry, and he ministered for about three and a half years before his death, burial, and his resurrection. We understand that. We don't know if they joined him at the beginning of his ministry, at part of his ministry. It's not clear to that. But the fact is, here she is. However many years it's been, she's still following Jesus. I like that. I like that. That she's still following Jesus. Let me ask you, in three years, where will you be with Jesus? My prayer is that you'll still be following Jesus. You'll be close to Him. You won't have deconstructed your faith. You won't have departed from Him. You're still right there with Him, following close to Him. Oh, please, let that happen. You want that for me, right? (laughs) I want that for you, too. Let's help each other to stay tight to Jesus, to follow close to Him. In her faithfulness, I see this. She just traveled from Galilee to Jerusalem. That's about 100 miles. That's Pueblo to Denver. I know you've seen a lot of people walking that lately, right? (laughs) She just made that. I mean, this is a sacrifice. This isn't just a little bit. Get on the bus, get up there, you know. Get in your car, go. Take the plane, which you can do now, right, from Pueblo to Denver, right? No, no. She is faithful, and she, the ladies, are staying with Jesus. That's faithfulness. To make this journey is faithfulness. And then I see this. She stayed with Jesus' body. She stayed with Joseph. She stayed with Nicodemus. And she saw where Jesus was laid. And that's faithfulness. Um, um, Did you maybe notice this passage? Did you... When you read the other passages, uh, you probably pick up on this. Uh, where were the men? <laughs> Sleeping? <laughs> Watching the NFL? <laughs> we don't see them. The ladies. The ladies are the ones sticking with them. Yes, Joseph's there, Nicodemus there. But where are the disciples? They're not, they're not there. Ladies stayed with Jesus, even through his death and into his burial. Let's just know this. She's an eyewitness. She knows exactly where Jesus is. She saw where they laid him. She saw him go into the tomb. She's an eyewitness to what God has for them. And this, lastly, this aspect in this deal... I see this. She's an honorable lady. She's an honorable lady. How do I pick up on that? It says that they returned, after they saw where Jesus was buried, in 56, they returned to their home, probably, or where they were staying, and they prepared spices and anointments. Why did they do that? Because to the Jewish people, a 
burial, a proper burial, is very important. To honor the body, even in death, is very, very, very important. And she is one who helps, even though Nicodemus brought 75 pounds, John chapter 19 I mentioned earlier, brought 75 pounds of ointments and anointed him, they're also going to continue that and to take care of that body because it's very important in the Jewish they go and they prepare these ointments. And I see honor all over there. Honor is all over that. And then it says, as it finishes up, verse 56, And on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. Put in my notes there in the bulletin. They rested on the silent Saturday Sabbath. It's called the silent Saturday because there's not anything said about what happens on Saturday. Jesus is dead. In their mind, he's dead and he's gone. It's all over. But we don't know what happened because there isn't anything recorded about what happens on that Saturday. But think about what this, this honoring. Here's Joanna. Here's the ladies. They're honoring the Sabbath. That's the fourth command of ten. The tenth command, the fourth command. You shall honor the Sabbath. It was a time for them to worship the Lord with their family and their friends and to gather together and to be silent before, before the world been to Jerusalem, 1996. We were traveling that day, and as the sundown on Saturday comes up, it's sundown on Friday, the sundown on Saturday. As that sundown is going down, the people started coming out. The shops started opening up. Because they honored that Sabbath. Even in today, many still honor that Sabbath time. And I see that in, in this. Here they are in the midst of this difficult situation, and yet they still honor God's Word. God's Word said, this is what you should do on the Sabbath Saturday. She's a lady who's faithful. She's an eyewitness to where they placed Jesus, but she is a lady of great honor. I ask you, is there follow-up on this Remain faithful to the Lord. And you know how you're going to do that? You're going to do it by honoring His Word and obeying His Word. That's where you're going to get your strength. That's where you're going to get your help. That's where you're going to get your encouragement to stay with Jesus, just like Joanne. So they knew the word. They knew what was important. They knew the commands. Even though she couldn't learn them, as the men could, she knew what God had for her. And she wanted to honor him and stay faithful to him just by seeing. We see that in honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy. Well, we continue on in chapter 24. But the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. I think the they is the women. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. But he has what? He's risen. He's risen indeed. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words 
And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest that were there. Now it was Mary Magdalene and John, Jonah, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose, and he ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. <laughs> She's only mentioned twice. She's inferred. 55 and 56 in chapter 23. But here's that second mention of her. I see this, as we talked about. She's committed. They get home, right? And what did they do when they went home on that Friday afternoon? They prepared the spices. They got the anointments ready for the anointing. And then they honored the Sabbath as they put things together. Then up early on Sunday morning, we've got to go see. We can go see if he's alive and being part of our lives. Of course, at this point, I think they're thinking that he's still dead because that's why they have the spices that are among them. But here they are, committed. We want to see Jesus and be a part of his life. And we have these spices, and we're going to go, and we're going to take care of that body, and we're going to honor him, how important it is. Again, where were the men? Sleeping in? Scared? Afraid? There would have been that for them, of course. But for any of them that were following Jesus at that time. They entered the tomb because they were committed to finding him. They hear the words from the two men, angels at the tomb. He's not here. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You see, Jesus ran out of that grave. <laughs> As we sang earlier, we talked about us. Right? Jesus ran out of that grave. Jesus ran out of that grave. Aren't we glad? Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you. They weren't just committed, they communicated. They hear the angels' words, they return to the disciples, others with them, and they tell them what they heard. And the disciples had a hard time processing the words, of course. Like, really? No way. We, we know he's dead. You told us that he's dead. You came and communicated that. And yet they know and they come. And finally, Peter and John, we know from other texts, from John chapter 20 or John chapter 19, we know that Peter and John ran to that tomb. And they found the tomb. And guess what they found in the tomb? Yeah, that's right. Exactly what exactly what Jesus said. I'm not gonna I'm not staying there. I'm gonna rise again on the third day. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Lord. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Listen. Because you are sent. Anybody ever hear that before? <laughs> because you are sent. Who in your sphere of influence needs to hear the words, He is risen? We've all got people around us that need to hear those words. That Jesus died, that's the gospel. Jesus died, He was buried, and on the third day He rose again. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the message that we need to communicate to people, that I need to communicate to people, that you need to communicate to people. And I know, I wish, man, I wish everybody's heart was, man, tell me more about that. Just wish it was that way, don't you? So few have that sense about them. God, open the doors for these people that I know and that you know. That these people in my sphere of influence would have a heart that, that would want to change this heart of stone. I read in one of my devotions today from Ezekiel. That the heart of flesh would come, this soft heart toward God. Oh God, would you just open their hearts? They need you. They need you to be forgiven of their sin, have eternal life, to be a part of the family of God. Oh, Lord, open 
can finish with this and we'll move into the Lord's Supper. One author said this. He said, Joanna showed tenacious faith when nearly everyone else deserted Jesus. But so did the other women with Joanna. Think about this. These are my words. The courageous and generous women were the first to be at the tomb. They were the first to see that Jesus' body was not in the tomb. They were first to hear the angel's message and the first to relay the news that Jesus is risen. I think their courage and generosity were definitely honored and rewarded. Another author says this, What an honor to tell the disciples that Jesus was alive. Could you imagine that? Just the joy of that. To be able to be the ones that get to tell. They, they see he's not there. And they get to tell the other disciples, Jesus is alive. Joanna's loyal faith meant staying with Jesus when hope seemed lost and witnessing the miracle that hope was alive. <laughs> they thought everything was over. Ah, oh, but hope came back. Jesus came back. And hope was We have the Lord's Supper this morning. The Lord's Supper is for all those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You don't have to be a member of our church to participate. But if you know Jesus as your Savior, we invite you to take advantage of it today. So what I'm going to ask you to do is, in your neighborhood, the tables that are behind you or in front of you, I'm going to ask you to, to get up now and to come and to, to take one of the elements here, whether the prepackaged to the ones in the cups, if somebody's around you, maybe they could use a little bit of help, and you could take something to them. I know they would appreciate that. And then just go back to your seat, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. So thank you for doing that. Some of those ones that are double cupped are a little hard to get apart. So just be real careful for these. And again, I remind you that we're on both sides here. I was reading them. We sang the song, the old hymn, Near the Cross, this morning. It was good. Thank you, Todd, for taking us there again. I was reading about how that song was put together a little bit this morning. Um, William Doan, William Howard Doan, wrote the music to that song. I thought that name sounds familiar. I went to Moody Bible Institute in the music area called the Doan Memorial Music Time. It's a place I went to school that honored this man. He wrote, I think, over 2,500 of the melodies to many, many hymns. And I got to be a part of who he was. He wrote, the words were written by Fanny Crosby. Of course, many of you know Fanny Crosby who wrote zillion poems and hymns that we sing even today. That was a wonderful memory for me, but thinking about being near the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Keep me tender to you, to the work that you have done for me, and what you did for me. As we come and as we take the Lord's Supper, we bring ourselves near to the cross, near to the tomb, near to the empty tomb, too, and what Jesus has done for us. 
So Jesus is with his disciples and gives this picture that this is going to take place and, and this is what this is going to represent. The, the fact that my body is going to be given for you. I'm going to give you everything I got. Everything that I have. And Paul, as he comments on that, as he looks back to what Jesus did with the disciples that night, he says, do this in remembrance of me. For every time you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we certainly look forward to his coming. Amen. So, we're proclaiming his death, the cross work he did for us, the resurrection he did for us every time we do this. So today, September 3rd, 2023, let's proclaim his death until he comes. And as he shed his blood for us, he gave his body for us, but he also shed his blood for us. We recognize that without the shedding of blood, there wouldn't be remission of sin. There wouldn't be forgiveness of sin. We wouldn't be able to be in the right standing with him, have his righteousness placed on our account. But he did. And so as we take this this morning, we proclaim his death until his come, and we do it in remembrance of all he has done for us. Thank you, Father, for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to come, giving your life, body, blood, everything we needed. Thank you. Thank you that through what you've done for us and our believing in you, we can be a part of the family of God. What a great privilege. Keep us near the cross. That cross where your blood ran red and our sins were washed white. 